and amen. I want to encourage you to open up in the Bible, open up in the scriptures to Romans chapter 8. I've entitled my message this morning, Known Versus Unknown. What we know and what we don't know. It is important this morning that we understand that in life there are a lot of unknowns. And especially now, we're all dealing with a multitude of things that we don't know. We're living in the midst of a season of great, great uncertainty. In reality, it's, it's the most uncertain time we've ever faced. There are many unknowns. When will the pandemic be over? We don't know. Will we get the virus? Will people we know die from the virus? We don't know. When will the social distancing guidelines be eased? What will life look like after we go back to quote-unquote normal? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my job and how long will it take for me to get another job? We don't know. Will I get to enjoy the summer at this time? And you know, these unknowns, even though they're legit, even though they're real issues, if we focus on them, we will be overwhelmed. If we focus on the unknowns, we will be depressed. We could be immobilized if we focus on what we don't know. Unknowns are powerful. They could powerfully affect us. In the summer of 2017, my wife and I were staying at a hotel in a small African country called Burundi. Burundi borders Rwanda just to the south. My wife and I were standing on a second floor balcony of a hotel that we were staying at during our Barnabas Ministries teaching trip. While we were relaxing on the balcony overlooking this small city, all of a sudden, several military vehicles came racing in to the hotel compound with soldiers waving handheld surface-to-air missiles. They were escorting military officials into this hotel. We didn't know what was going on. My wife and I had watched many movies and documentaries on wars and civil unrest and coups, especially in Africa. And so at that moment, we thought this was the beginning that would morph into a full-blown civil war. We would be held hostage at the hotel at best, and at worst, we would be killed. So quickly, we both ran to our hotel room, and we locked the door, and just kind of hunkered down, and, and just began to look out the window to see what was going on, and little by little, we didn't hear anything, so we, we, we kind of went down into the lobby, and we watched, and we listened, and we found out what was happening was simply that a high-ranking 
government official in the country was having a luncheon in the hotel lobby. What we thought, because we didn't know, because we were uncertain of what was going on, fear gripped our hearts, and we thought and expected the worst. And do you know today that because of the unknowns of this virus, the unknowns of what life is going to look like, the economy, our health, etc., etc., you, you see, fear thrives in uncertainty. Fear thrives in the unknown. And the devil, the, the enemy, the spiritual enemy of our soul, loves to work in that place of uncertainty in the unknown. So this morning, I, I just want to share with you just how important it is for us to look at the knowns, what we do know that's critical. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 is probably one of the most powerful passages of Scripture. When it comes to chapter 8 of Romans, even wordsmiths are at a loss for words. Martin Luther, the great uh, reformer from the 16th century, said, It is the clearest gospel of them all. William Tyndale, who was a translator of the Bible, who was martyred, for what he did, getting the Bible into the hands of the average person, he said it is the most excellent part of the New Testament. Speaking of Romans chapter 8. Another called it the inner sanctuary within the cathedral of Christian faith. That's Romans chapter 8. And I want to read verses 31 to 39. This is important. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return void in Jesus' name. Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who, makes, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Powerful scriptures. May the Holy Spirit quicken them to our hearts this morning. I want us to look this morning at what we know. I mentioned the unknowns. I mentioned a lot of what is uncertain about the future. 
I mentioned what the unknown can do to us with fear and terror if we focus on the unknowns. This morning, I want us to know, focus on what we know. If we can back up to verse 28, here's a powerful verse that we I'm sure many of us know. If you don't, it's a great verse. And we know, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. And we know. Romans chapter 5, verses 3, 4, and 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. That word glory means we rejoice in tribulation. Why? Because we're crazy? No, because we know, we know, we know that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. This is what we know. Come on, just, just comment. This is what I know. Come on, right on underneath the post, underneath the video stream, just comment. This is what I know. I know that all things work together for good. You see, God is able to mix it all together and he's able to take the good, the bad, and the ugly, and God is able to use it for his glory and for our good. Do you believe that? Say amen. How can God, how can God take a hurt, a failure, a suffering, a loss, a betrayal, a setback, a shattered dream, a wasted season? How can God take all of that and make something good. I don't understand how he could do it. But I know he does. I've seen, it do, seen him do it in my life. Why? Because God is God. Now unto him who is able. Now unto him he's an able God. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the power that works within us. Amen. He can take whatever the enemy meant for evil and he could turn it around for your good. You see, anybody could take good ingredients or good circumstances and bring something good out of it. Any chef, any cook can take all the best ingredients and make a delicious meal. Some of you are saying right now, I wish my wife can do that. But a good cook, a great chef can take a little of this, a bit of that, some leftovers in the refrigerator. We don't know how long they were there. Hopefully no mold growing on them. But can take some odd ingredients and, and, and present a gourmet meal that you think came from a five-star restaurant. How? Because they're a great cook. They know how to mix it all together. Take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I want you to understand this morning, our God is a master chef. He's a master cook. He can take our ashes and give us beauty. He can take our sorrow and give us joy, our setback, and make it a setup. He can take our mess, and he can make it a message of his grace. Can you say amen? A lot of things we don't know right now. 
But this is what we know. And faith is magnified and it grows by what we do know. That's why we sang so powerfully this morning. You know, I believe, I believe. What we believe, we sing, we declare. Faith thrives as we focus on what we know. So let's take a few moments to look at what we know. And, and, and you see, what we know makes a difference because what we know translates into what we begin to speak. Look at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? You see, Paul shifting it from verse 28 and we know these, all these things work together for good. And then in verse 31, he says, what shall we say? What shall we speak? We understand this morning the power of the tongue. That there is the power of life and death in the tongue. Words have power. What shall we say to these things? You see, why are words so important? You know why? Jesus said, very simply, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words reveal what's in your heart. And that's important. You see, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth will speak. Our words will reveal what's in our heart. Paul writes the scripture, what shall we say to these things? What do we say? What do we speak? What do we declare right now in the middle of a crisis? Jesus also said, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What you, what you say in response to life's experiences are very important. You see, all of us have experienced our moments of anxiety, of fear, of grief during this season. But let's determine today to speak words of faith and words of truth. Amen? If ever the world needed us to speak words of faith, it is now. It's now. I once heard a saying, the words you speak do fall to the ground and they weave a garment that you wear. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you wearing? Are you wearing a garment of discouragement, of negativity? Are you wearing a garment of, of unbelief or are you wearing, or are you putting on the garment of praise? The garment of faith, the garment that declares or, or reveals what's in your heart that you're still believing. So what do we know? Just quickly, I want to give you 15 know what we know. No, I'm just kidding. Just three. Sounds a whole lot better now that I went from 15 to 3. What do we know? Number one, we know God's protection. Verse 31. What should we say to these things? If God is for us, hallelujah, if God is for us, who can be against us? You see, Paul the Apostle is writing this. Paul was not living in la-la land, wherever that is. Paul was not disconnected from reality. Paul, we know from the scriptures that he, that he faced imprisonment, stonings, beatings, shipwrecked. That, that is a far cry from 
even, even the degree of, of suffering most of us are facing during this crisis. Here he is shipwrecked. Here he is being beaten and stoned. And, and he faced them all with assurance. And he said, if God is for us, who can be against us? I want to encourage you today. Come on, would you comment? Would you declare, God is for me? God is for me. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy while he was in prison awaiting execution. He wrote this. He says, nevertheless, I suffer these things. He says, but I'm not ashamed for I know. Here's that word again. For I know whom I have believed in and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. This morning, I want to ask you, what have you committed to God? Have you committed your family, your children, your finances, your ministry? Have you committed your career to Him? You know, it's easy to say we trust God and we've committed everything to Him when things are going smoothly and we've got a handle on it. We've got the ability to maybe make a deal, make money, uh, prosper, and, and work harder and, and kind of get everything lined up. But it's quite another thing today when we have a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainty. But you know what? Now's the time to let our faith shine by the grace of God. To be able to say, like Paul, in prison, I know whom I have believed in. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. You see our problem? We focus too much upon what's against us. We're all aware of the struggles and the battle is real. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that nothing can defeat God. Therefore, nothing can defeat you and me because God is for me. God is for me. God is on your side. God is rooting for us. He's cheering us on. He believes in us. He loves us. Someone once said if he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a car, the bumper sticker would say your name. But you know what we do know? We do know from the scriptures from Isaiah 49 verse 16 that, that the Lord has your name tapped, tattooed on his palms. On his palms. It says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand, says the Lord. What does that mean? It means that he, you are on his mind, you're on his heart. He knows you and he loves you. Do you believe that this morning? What else do we know? Number two, we know God's provision. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, Paul right here is using the argument from the greater to the lesser. Since God has already given us the greatest and most costly gift of his son, how could he not possibly give, give us every other gift? If God gave us his son, Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were sinners, when we were in rebellion against the holy God, God gave his son for us. God demonstrated his love for us. What would he be willing to give to his beloved children who are now at peace with him? If I gave you a $1,000 check 
when you were my enemy. Paul's logic, from the greater to the lesser. If I gave you $1,000 when you were my enemy, surely I would buy you a cup of coffee when you became my friend. That's just an argument from the greater to the lesser. If God did not spare his own son for us, will he not freely give us all things? We worry, we fret, we say what if, what if, but we know that God sent his son to pay the price for our sins with his own blood. Won't he take care of us during COVID-19? If God sent the ravens, ravens to feed Elijah the prophet during a famine, won't he take care of you and I? Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Number three, God's passionate love. What do we know? Look at verse 35. What sh shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is the most powerful known. We know nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see... When we hear about unconditional love, it's hard for us to imagine because most of what we've known in life, our experience in regard to love has been conditional. I'll love you if you love me. I'll treat you good if you treat me good. We have had fear-weathered friends and associates, meaning when things were good, they were around. But when things got tough, they walked out. You see, we have not known the unconditional love of God unless the Holy Spirit reveals it. You see, God's love never fails, never gives up, and never runs out on me. God's love is at its best when we are at its wor our worst. God's love is at its best when we, when the life is, life is most difficult. Paul talks about it. Look at verse 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Trouble? Anyone have any trouble right now? Psalm 46, verse 1, God is a very present help in the time of trouble. Hardship? That word for hardship in the original language is distress. And, and the imagery is a, your head being in a vice grip. Anybody experienced that lately? squeeze is on. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. This is a lack of resources. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, a total drought, but it means a lack of fruitfulness. It means lacking in resources. Nakedness, not necessarily no clothing, but, but a feeling of it being exposed to the elements, a feeling of vulnerability. Danger, sword, death, physical death. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. What is the conclusion of this matter? What do we know? We know that through it all, 
We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Through it all, we are more than conquerors. In October, on October 7th, 1916, Georgia Tech defeated Cumberland College. This was a football game. This was the most lopsided victory in all of football history. Georgia Tech beat this Cumberland College team a record-setting 222 to 0. It was the most lopsided victory in college football history. I would say that Georgia Tech was more than a conqueror. Their victory was with a capital V. Their win was with a capital W. And that's what the Bible says, that you and I, it's hard to believe because sometimes we don't quite look like it. Sometimes we don't quite feel like it. But the Bible says we are more, more than a conqueror. That word in the Greek is hooper nico. And it means hyper or more than a conqueror, an over-conqueror. That's what God calls us. Is it difficult? You bet. Is it stressful? For sure. Is it overwhelming? Yes, it's real overwhelming sometimes. But see, none of that is the evidence that God has forsaken or stopped loving us. The very opposite is true. God is drawing near to you in this crisis. Can you say amen? God is giving strength to the weak. He's given grace to the broken. He's making us more like Jesus through this fiery trial. The truth of the matter is, tribulation produces perseverance. A crisis produces character in our life. We don't like it, but it's through those difficult times that we grow in our faith. It's through those difficult crises that, that the heat's turned up and that things in our life that are impure, that are wrong, motives, attitudes, emotions, that God is going to purify. So... We know all things are going to work together for good. We don't know how it's all going to work out, but we know that in God, He's going to make us more than conquerors. That means we don't just survive, we thrive. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing, even coronavirus, shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. As I close, how do we know? How can we have that assurance? You say, Pastor, this sounds pretty good, but I don't feel this. This isn't my experience right now. That's okay. You can know this. You can experience this. If I go back to verse 16, of chapter 8, the same chapter we've been in, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's powerful right there. Because God's Holy Spirit, God Himself, will make this real to you this morning. If you sincerely open up your heart and pray, ask God 
to reveal it, to show you. God will speak to your heart, not with an audible voice, but sometimes just the stillness, just the sense, just the touch of God's spirit to confirm his word. A little boy was flying a kite on a cloudy day. He had managed to fly the kite so high that it disappeared beyond some of the low-flying clouds. An elderly man from a distance asked the boy what he was doing. The boy said, I'm flying a kite. The man said, I can't see the kite. How do you know it's there? The boy said, I can't see it either. But I know it's there because every once in a while, I feel a tug. How do I know God is there? How do I know God is for me? How do I know that I'm more than a conqueror? I don't always feel it, but every once in a while, there's a tug. There's a touch. There's a ministry of the Holy Spirit through His Word. So this morning, as I bring this to a close, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're just making it every day. Every day's a battle. The truth of the matter is, we're all in this together. We truly are. What you might look, you might look at someone and think they got it all together. You might look at me and think, it's easy for me. But believe me, every day, I have to draw close to God. I have to receive His grace through prayer, through reading the scriptures, through exercising my faith and declaring and speaking that if God is for me, no man could be against me. Maybe you need a reminder of his love this morning. You feel unlovely. You feel like you've wasted time. You've blown it. You've sinned. You've made a lot of mistakes. Join the club. So hasn't the whole human race. We know that where sin abounds, God's grace superabounds, goes beyond. So this morning, you can look to God. You could embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ask Him to forgive you this morning. Believe for the cleansing blood of Jesus to wash you and to make you new today. You might need to accept Him for your first time, or you maybe need to recommit your life to Christ. Do it right now. By faith, embrace Jesus. Put your faith in Him this morning. Maybe you're suffering and you're even facing afflicted with the virus let's believe for God's healing over your life there is a couple in our church there's four or five that have tested positive we've been praying for you we're going to pray for you right now for healing for restoration we're going to pray over a whole, our whole church and all of you that are listening today prayer is powerful God's word is powerful we believe God's going to touch you today Let's pray, then we're going to close with a chorus. God bless you. Father, thank you today that your word is powerful. Your Holy Spirit is reaching people right now. And encouragement is flowing through the word of God. For the word is spirit in life. So God, today we thank you for everyone listening. Minister your word. Minister encouragement. Minister faith today. Lord, those that are discouraged, those that have sinned, those that have backslidden call them back home let them hear the voice of the spirit 
Let them exercise faith and embrace you today and reach out to you in faith. Father, those that are suffering affliction through this virus, in the name of Jesus, we pray for healing over their life. God, we can't imagine the uncertainty and the, and the fear they're battling with, but let faith arise in their hearts. Touch them today. Healing virtue, reach them in their homes. God, we pray for protection over our church. We pray for revival in our church. God, that through this season, people would fall in love with you again, return to their first love, get on fire for you, be sold out, red hot, committed to you, Lord. God, revive your people in a special way, we pray. We thank you for your word today, that what we know is sure and steadfast, and we thank you for it, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. Before you tune us out, worship with one more song. Share this post, please. Share this once again. God bless you.